You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Uh, again, as usual for the day here, I am Aaron Bosch, and my co-host here is... Roxanne Solomon. We are enjoying our discussion uh, about art, and now some books are coming up. Yes, and it's also f- finally becoming a beautiful, sunny summer day here, so it's a nice day to just get out and read a good book if you get a chance to sit on the front porch or back porch, wherever you prefer. So our first get, or our third guest here today is uh, Mary Beth Gracie. She's going to be telling us about the book, I Would Like to Travel the World by Bishop Guy Goucher. So hello, Mary Beth. Hi, glad to be with you. Yes, glad to have you here. So just a little bit of not to reveal too many uh, RPR secrets here, but uh, Mary Beth is someone that I've worked with quite a bit because she works at uh, Sophia Institute Press, and often a lot of our guests who have books are lined up through them. We work with other great publishers too, but Sophia is one of our absolute favorites because they're always very fun to work with. So just wanted to make sure I drop that, that we really appreciate your assistance getting people onto Real Presence Live. Happy to do so. All right, so let's get into talking about this book here. So, uh, well, I guess I first I should intru- we should uh, introduce you a little bit. So if you want to give uh, uh, listeners just a little bit more information about what you do and then tell us about uh, the author of this book, uh, Bishop Guy Goucher. Sure. So on Divine Mercy of this year, I became a consecrated virgin for my diocese of Ogdensburg, New York. And prior to working for Sophia, I was um, an English and special ed teacher for several years. I have a master's in apologetics, and I work for Sophia as a copywriter and a publicity coordinator. Um, I was very excited when this opportunity came up to talk about this new book because St. Therese is my patroness. I was born on her feast day, and I chose her name for my confirmation. And um, I think that she kind of got me into writing as well, because soon after that, I became a freelance Catholic writer, and I even published a book about St. Therese. And I was really fortunate to be at World Youth Day in 1997, when John Paul II declared that St. Therese would soon be a doctor of the Church. And I was also... Um, able to visit her hometown of Lejeune when I was in France. Okay, so very deep personal connection you have to her as well. So it's not just a connection like you're, this isn't just like a nine to five, like you just have to go represent a book. This is a deep personal uh, connection and something that's really, really passionate about, which I love. That's really amazing. It sounds like you've had a very interesting journey with uh, St. Teresa. Definitely. Yes, she's like a sister. Oh, that's that's see that's phenomenal. Again, our saints are so again such a uniquely Catholic thing for a lot of us. I know other churches do have saints, but we feel like we have a much deeper connection than a lot of the other ones. Not not to knock anybody else, but I think well, that's just my honest opinion. I think we do have a deeper connection. So, anyways, uh, could you tell us a little about Bishop uh, Guy Goucher here and what his connection to Saint Teresa is and why he wrote this book? Sure. So Bishop Goucher was the auxiliary bishop of Bayou and Meju, and he published many books on Saint Therese including the story of her life. He also published um, the critical editions of her complete works. So that was necessary to go through all of her writings. And some people think she just wrote her autobiography, Story of a Soul, but she actually had letters, plays, poems, um, and a lot of extensive writings that had to be gone through before she could even be considered as a candidate for a doctor of the church. Um, so he wrote several other books about her as well, including The Passion of St. Therese also, which I read when I was younger and thought was really amazing. And as the bishop of her hometown, he had access to all sorts of documented miracles from the time she died um, right up to the present day. 
so he was really, I guess, the man for the job in writing this book. And again, how, I believe I'm mispronouncing his name. Could you give it to us one time, the correct pronunciation? Sure, it's Goucher. Goucher, okay. My apologies to uh, Guy Goucher here. I should have uh, made sure I got his name right correct the first time, but I will make sure not to mispronounce that. So, again, we're talking about St. Teresa of, is it, I can now I'm getting on another mispronunciation. Lisu, thank you. I am part French and I cannot speak any French whatsoever, so that's on me. But, um, again, she's a very famous saint, and uh, just for those who might not be super familiar with her story, could you give us just like a very brief overview of her life to understand why she's so influential in the Catholic Church? Yes, so she was born in 1873, um, and she was kind of coming out of a time when Jansenism was prevalent, and so a lot of people had forgotten about God's love and mercy, and she helped to really restore that through her spirituality. Her parents are both actually canonized saints as well, Mm -hmm. um, Louis and Zélie Martin. Um, She is the co-patroness of missionaries and the co-patroness of France, and even though she never left the convent, after she entered at the age of 15, she helped bring the gospel to the world through her prayers, hidden actions of love, and her writings. She died of tuberculosis when she was 24. She said that her mission would actually begin after her death, and she would make God love and let fall a shower of roses, which is basically favors for all those who ask her. So that is really overwhelmingly evidenced in her book, in this book, and she... Um, she also had a variety of other hidden talents that people don't always know about. She was an artist. She painted frescoes. Um, she embroidered vestments and many other things as well. It's really her way of spiritual childhood that she's famous for. She died in um, 1897. I have a question, Mary Beth. Um, this is more personal again. Uh, I'm wondering what it was that attracted you to St. Therese personally. Like, what, what about her drew you to her? So initially, I was flipping through um, a book of saints, trying to decide on a confirmation saint, and I was immediately attracted to the painting of her in the book. Um, You know, she's smiling, she's holding the roses, and then I saw we shared the same birth date, and I saw that she's known for the little way, and I thought, oh, maybe this could be a shortcut to heaven. I think I should should pick her. Um, And then just kind of over time, she really helped guide me in different things, whether it was choosing a college or whether it was um, my own vocational discernment. Um, I I found her to be a really powerful intercessor, and I think so many people struggle with discouragement, and she's someone who has absolute confidence in God. So if you ask her, she will help you to, to have that trust in God. I think the fact that she was young, too, and just so simple in, in her ways, or it seems simple, she's actually very profound in her simplicity, but um, she, she people are easily drawn to her, kind of like Jesus as a baby, an infant, and she had that childlike quality that, that we all um, should aspire to, actually, and, and it's not intimidating. Would you say that's part of the draw? Oh, definitely. And I think you touched upon something important, because her name in the religious life is St. Therese of the Infant Jesus and the Holy Face. So she really guides us to um, having a personal relationship with God and an intimate relationship with God and not being afraid to approach Him as His dear children with absolute trust and just resting in the Father's arms. 
Yeah, again, she's very, very interesting as a saint for that reason, just due to her simplicity and how, again, in anyway, she's so spiritual, but she's also very down to earth. It feel it feels like, you know, she's someone that you might have known at some point in your life. I think that's what draws people to her in such an interesting way. And I guess to build upon that, uh, was she like very well known in her time or was it mostly after she passed away, she became famous or what was like the recognition that she got? Oh, certainly. So during her own time, she was not well known at all because she was living in the cloister. Mm. Um, She entered at 15 and she died when she was 24. And in fact, not long before she died, some of her sisters, her, her religious sisters were kind of speaking uncharitably about her one day, and she overheard. They said something to the effect of, no one will ever remember her for anything because she's <laughs> never done anything remarkable. Mm. Um, however, God had other plans, and quickly after her death, as is discussed in this book, we came to recognize her as a miracle maker and a doctor of the Church and a missionary. And from the moment she died, pretty much, up until the present day, there have been thousands and thousands of documented miracles that St. Therese has interceded for. And she has to be one of the most depicted saints, like, in recent memory, like, again, because she died, what was it, 1897, did you say? Yes. Yeah, and I've seen so many depictions in, like, stained glass windows and paintings of, you know, a very recent saint, all things considered, because, you know, we can go back to, like, St. Peter, and that's 2,000 years of, you know, abilities to make artwork and paintings of him, but it seems like St. Teresa is almost right up there with him and how much we see her, which is so fascinating that her image has gotten so far around the world. I think every Catholic has at least, even if they didn't know it was her, has seen one painting or picture of her in some way. Definitely, and because she is more recent, we even have photographs of her. Mm-hmm. Um, And in the third part of the book, when Bishop Goucher talks about her as a missionary, sometimes people, when her relics were on the tour, would go and they would try to kind of do street evangelization. And at first, some people would be really closed off to it and not at all interested in hearing anything about the Church or the Gospel. But then when they saw a picture of St. Therese, their heart kind of melted, and they were able to have a conversation about spiritual things. Well, so there's something about that image of her and being younger. I remember reading something about her one time when when she found out the the diagnosis of tuberculosis, and instead of being um, despondent, she was thrilled to know, like, this is the way I'm going to die. This is the way I'm going to go see the Lord. And at different times when I've had different health issues and kind of been worried, like, is this it? I thought, oh, I want to be like St. Therese and just, like, like meet all of the news with joy. That's not an easy thing, but it was something that stuck out to me that she, even at such a young age with so much life in front of her, she was she was excited to meet Jesus. Yes, definitely. And I think a lot of people, sometimes when they begin reading her autobiography, they might think that maybe it's too sweet for them. Um, and they might think she had such an easy life, but they forget about how her mother passed away when she was four from breast cancer or how after she entered the convent, her father developed dementia, or different things like that. Um, And so even though St. Therese, by God's grace, had this wonderful, amazing abandonment to his his will, um, she also, it was a challenge for her because during the last months of her life, she really had a trial of faith, but she made the act of the will, and she surrendered herself into God's loving arms. Yeah, she suffered terribly at the end of her life, too, so it's very interesting that she found such joy in, like, things that would, again, it, frankly, kill a lesser person in a lot of ways. So she's she's one of our strongest saints, and I think in that sense she's very underrated because we talk a lot about her faith and devotion, which is true, but that comes from, like, an inner strength and peace that she had, which is so utterly phenomenal. 
But uh, we'll continue yeah. this conversation on the uh, next side of the break here. So stay tuned. We're talking with uh, Mary Beth Bracey about the book, I Would Like to Travel the World by Bishop Guy Gashore. I got that wrong again. I'll get it right next time I reintroduce it. So stay tuned and uh, we'll uh, follow up on the end after this break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Daily Meditations of Pope Benedict XVI, presented by Leonardo Di Filippis of St. Luke Productions. The reasonableness of the universe. The more we know of the universe, the more profoundly we are struck by a reason whose ways we can only contemplate with astonishment. In pursuing them, we can see anew that creating intelligence to whom we owe our own reason. Albert Einstein once said that in the laws of nature there is revealed such a superior reason that everything significant which has arisen out of human thought and arrangement is, in comparison with it, the merest empty reflection. We see revealed a powerful reason that holds the universe together, and we are penetrating ever deeper into what is smallest, into the cell and into the primordial units of life. Physics and biology and the natural sciences in general have given us a new and unheard of creation account with vast new images which let us recognize the face of the Creator and which make us realize once again that at the very beginning and foundation of all being there is a creating intelligence. The universe is not the product of darkness and unreason. It comes from intelligence, freedom, and from the beauty that is identical with love. Seeing this gives us the courage to keep on living, and it empowers us, comforted thereby, to take upon ourselves the adventure of life. This meditation is taken from Benedictus, published by Ignatius Press and Magnificat, and produced by St. Luke Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Aaron Bosch, and then co-hosting with me today is... Roxanne Solonen. And right now, we are talking with Mary Beth Bracey, who is telling us about the book, I Would Like to Travel the World by Bishop Guy Goucher. Hopefully, awesome. Hope, Perfect. Okay, good. Yes. I, I, I won back the crowd there. <laughs> so, uh, Mary Beth, uh, when we left off, I was thinking that we should explain what being a doctor of the church means, because St. Teresa is one of the most famous doctors of the church. And for the record, there are only 37 doctors of the church, all of whom are saints, and we have thousands, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of saints, you know, however many. I don't know if anyone's ever done an audit of all the named saints, let alone all the ones that we can't possibly know who are just in heaven. Uh, but we have only 37 declared doctors of the Church. What does that title actually mean? So, a doctor of the Church is a canonized saint, as you mentioned, and their teachings have the marks of orthodoxy and wisdom. So, as in the case of St. Therese, they had to go through all of her writings, for instance, to make sure that they were sound. Um, their doctrine also has to be universal, so it has to be a standard, and it has to be something that's useful for everyone. 
Okay, very interesting. Mm. So they basically do, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, almost like a fact check almost on all of your writings to make sure that you were consistent in faith, that you had the right theological like precepts, understood what you were talking about, and that it's also useful for further evangelization. Is that a good kind of, I guess, layman's version of describing it? Yes, yes, that's definitely a good overview. Okay. Um, so in her case, after her writings were critically examined, um, four examinations took place that Bishop Boucher outlined. So they, they had to go before theologians and cardinals of the Congregation for the Causes of the Saints and for the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. And Pope Pius XI called her a word of God for the world and said her little doctrine of confidence and love is universal and accessible to all. And a lot of esteemed theologians also compared her thinking to St. Thomas Aquinas, and St. John Paul II said he was declaring her a doctor of the Church because she is an expert in the science of love. That's and um, also Benedict XV said that the way of spiritual childhood is the path which leads to eternal life. All right, that's very fascinating stuff. So again, um, so she was declared doctor of the Church again in what year? So she was declared doctor of the Church in 1997. Okay. I have a thought, Mary Beth, as you were talking about how she became a doctor of the faith. I, I'm imagining all of these theologians and experts like pouring over all of her things and maybe some of them even having a conversion experience over this, this very meek, um, humble, unknown little child. Um, and it, it's just like, it again, kind of brings back the fact that like God is a God of surprises and he will turn things on their head. And I, it's just... So amazing that he used someone like her to impress all of these big minds. And yet that was never her goal. Her goal was just to seek the heart of Christ. Definitely. Um, and as you mentioned, it was really quite revolutionary. And so it kind of had to be explained, why would you choose a 24-year-old to be in the number of the Doctors of the Saints? Because she is the youngest doctor of the Church, and she's one of only three women. Up until 1970, all of the Doctors of the Church were men. Um, so it was really quite, like you said, turning things upside down. Um, and it really kind of challenged the world, I think, to see that the heart of the gospel is having the heart of a child. Was there any controversy? Like, were there some detractors that said, no, this can't possibly be? I think that um, at the time there were people that definitely asked questions. But it, it, again, it kind of goes through so many different stages. And there was so many different examinations. Also, as you said, I think people are really taken, once they really truly encounter her writings and her spirituality, with how impactful it is and how it's just really a gift from the Holy Spirit. Um, because for someone so young to possess that knowledge could only be the wisdom of God. Absolutely. Yeah, and again, getting back to uh, just the root of the book that you're promoting here today, uh, again, because that's about uh, Bishop Guy Gachet's, uh, I guess, chronicle of her life and his impact on, well, did he have any impact on her being declared doctor of the church? I guess, what's his, like, deeper connection to St. Teresa? Yes, so he did, um, he examined the critical editions, so all of her complete works. Um, he also, because of his position as auxiliary bishop of her hometown, he was able to see all of her miracles um, that were recounted, for instance, from the time she died until the time she was canonized in 1925. 
over 3,252 miracles were recorded just in that 27 or 28 years. But this book specifically, the first third of the book, I couldn't put down, honestly. And as someone devoted to her, I'm kind of like, I always look at books of her with, you know, a little bit critically because Mm -hmm. I love her so much. But the first third of the book is Therese the Miracle Maker, and it, it documents 17 miracles from our time, from the 1990s to the present. So it documents miracles um, that people sent to Bishop Boucher from infants to young adults to the elderly, many people who had completely lost their faith or were in desperate situations, and they experiencing Therese's intercession in life-changing ways. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes, so he had that wonderful privilege, and he describes it as a storm of glory and talks about the cascade of miracles worldwide. He talks about, um, I really like this quote, he talks about how people traveled in jets, military planes, helicopters, police cars, fire trucks, cruise ships, steamers, and horseback, and sleds pulled by dogs in order to venerate her relics and to transport her relics for people to venerate. And he says, has there been a saint in 2,000 years of Christianity who has undertaken such a trip to five continents, attracted millions of people, provoked a spontaneous evangelization, and brought out in front of astonished pastors crowds of people, many who usually don't bother with churches? And, and yet we would say, uh, some would say, as, as we talked about in the break, that the saints are just dead people, so why would we venerate them? Why would we honor their, their life? And yet they're still very much living. I, I would, um, I'm curious about the title, I Would Like to Travel the World. Obviously there's something there. Can you explain that title? Sure. So in St. Therese's Story of a Soul, she says in Manuscript B, that she has the vocation of the Apostle, and it was her desire to preach the Gospel on all the five continents simultaneously, and even the most remote isles. So she was able to do that through her union with God, even without leaving the convent. And as we see in the book also, in the third section, where it talks about her relics traveling to over 27 countries throughout the world, that sometimes millions of people would turn out and they didn't know if there would be any reaction at all, based, like you said, about how some people, especially today, maybe have lost a sense of the sacred or would think, why, why would you come out to see, you know, a saint's remains or something like that? Um, but so many people poured out, and it wasn't simply to venerate her, but it was also a case of they received healings in terms of physical, mental, spiritual, emotional and sometimes people were going to confessions in the street. There was just a really massive return to the faith through her intercession, which, of course, as you said, is what she would want because she just wanted the world to love the sacred heart of Jesus. And I believe you mentioned earlier that something she predicted, too, is that she would have more influence in death than she had in life, which, again, that was obviously true. Again, she's traveled across the world in many different ways. And it's interesting that uh, the bishop, uh, Goucher here, who was the... Again, he's, I believe, the auxiliary bishop, you said, of her uh, diocese or the area that she was at. And bishops are, of course, trained to be a little bit skeptical. We often think of them as these great believers, which they are, but they're supposed to be skeptical when they're talking about these things and miracles and all that. And it just seems like he was so, uh, again, in love with this saint and so convinced of her, I guess, ability and spirituality that he was such a proponent of her, which I find so fascinating because... Uh, some saints have a lot of trouble getting into canonization because we're a little bit overly skeptical of them, but it seems like she was just so obviously 
I guess, miraculous in so many ways that she was almost not quite rushed through the process, but it didn't take all that much effort to get her through there, which is so fascinating to me. Yes, definitely. It really was an immense movement of the Holy Spirit. Um, and when you read this book and you see all of the different um, manifestations of faith, um, people coming out in all-night adoration vigils, Marian devotions, and the singing of St. Therese's poems, sometimes in the streets, um, because all of the poetry she wrote was actually set in tune to the music of her day. So it, it's really striking. And then also how her relics visited not only churches, but also hospitals, retirement homes, monasteries, seminaries, prisons, and even Dachau concentration camp. Wow, so, truly everywhere. Yes, definitely. Mary Beth, so, I'm, I'm curious again, I go to the personal um, did you ever have an encounter with her? Uh, how has she traveled with you? Like, have you ever felt her? Has there been miracles in your life? Like, how has she been personal to you in that way? Yes. Um, so, I could think of so many different examples. Oh, did we lose her? Maybe Bethy, there? Oh, I think we might have lost uh, contact with her. She cut out. So Just as she was going to tell us those stories. Oh, no. <laughs> We're, we're working on getting her back, but um, wow, I, I just, it's so interesting, and, I, and I'm curious about her book, too, but this, this book, I Would Like to Travel the World, um, okay, we can't, we can't get her back, unfortunately. We're, we are uh, close to the end of our break, uh, to the end of the, the segment. Anyway, but Well, I think any, this might be thoughts? some serendipity here, because maybe that's St. Teresa running an audible for us, because I'd like to have <laughs> her on again to talk more about it, so we can yeah. definitely have a follow-up interview, I think. So that might work out for the best we can hear the rest of the story here, but... Uh, I guess final thoughts here for the segment. I mean, she's she's a saint I've seen a lot. I, I feel kind of bad. I've never actually delved too much into her life. Like, I knew about the little way and all that sort of thing, but uh, I've actually known about some of the other French saints. I think the big three of French saints, someone can someone will correct me on this, but I always think St. Louis, Joan of Arc, St. Teresa, mm -hmm. and she was the one I didn't know the most about, and it's just very interesting because I think they were all canonized right around the same time because I know Joan of Arc, she died in, like, uh, it was either 13 or 1400, something like that. And she was canonized in the 1920s. And then St. Teresa passed away in 1897. And she was, you know, it took one of them so many centuries and the other one only took a few decades. So it's just interesting that they, all that was coming together at that time. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things about her is her recognizability. There's so many saints that kind of like, which one is that? Mm -hmm. And you kind of try to look for the sign for her. It's that red rose. Yeah. And so if you see a red rose out there, Anytime soon, just think of St. Therese, say a little prayer to her and mm. ask, ask for her lovely and simple intercession. And she's a, she's a beautiful saint to have close to us in the yeah. Catholic Church. And We're that's the power blessed. of the little way. She's, again, gone over the entire world. So we'll be back here on Real Presence Live for our next guest, who will be Dr. Guy uh, Garendi. Again, apparently last names are not my strength today. So I'm Ray Garendi. Ray Garendi. Okay. <laughs> right. Dr. Ray Garendi. Uh, we'll be right back on Real Presence Live. Stay with us. Live. Engaging and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Mm -hmm. 